0: We hope you enjoy the show, as together we hear how they are making their world better. What is your North Star? In other words, what is your personal mission that you are singularly passionate about? You know, I think for many, their North Star is what draws them into the nonprofit sector to begin with. Now, the good news is having lots of passion and having a clear North Star is a great start to any nonprofit. The problem comes when you lose that singular focus. Well, my guest today clearly has had a North Star. It is water conservation. Steve Creech is my guest today, and he's teamed up with his friend, the artist Weiland, to serve as the president of the Weiland Foundation. Many of you are familiar with those beautiful, huge murals uh, all over the country, actually, that are done by the artist Weiland. Well, Steve will share how their foundation has been able to cultivate sustainable growth and overcome the barriers that often keep nonprofits from scaling. You also share why it's absolutely critical to have a clear and consistent brand. They've done a very good job establishing and maintaining a clear brand. Enjoy today's show. Well, Steve, thanks so much for being on the show today. You know, I am excited to get into the specifics about the foundation that you lead as president, the Wyland Foundation, which is founded, of course, by the famous artist Weiland. However, I wanted to start by delving into some leadership issues that face every nonprofit leader. Now, this is a nonprofit leadership show, and I wanted to ask you about your experience because you, you've had a lot of experience in this sector. And I wanted to start out by asking you, how do you create institutional growth? I know a lot of my listeners are in the midst of growing their nonprofit, or they are trying to figure out how to grow and scale their organization. So what has been your experience so far, and how have you done this well? What are the key components to creating sustainable organizational growth? I think that's a great question. And first of all, uh, Rob, it's a
1: pleasure to be here and talk about something I love, and that's nonprofits. And further, I love nonprofit management because if we're managing our nonprofits successfully, that means we're meeting uh, our community service objectives. And that's the whole point. So if you're... And I will say this to anybody listening, if you're going to get into a nonprofit and you think it's going to be easy, you think again. But uh, you can give yourself a North Star to follow. And I think that's really important. And that's something I was sharing today with a colleague during a meeting, that you have to keep that your main focus and follow that because there are so many other issues and factors that can negatively impact your your nonprofit. You have to always remind yourself why you're in to begin with and be clear on what your goal is that goal being how do you know when you've met your your nonprofit mission and your mandate so as a nonprofit leader it is something that i remind myself of daily when i come into work why am i here what am i doing and what is the work that i'm doing how is that leading us towards our north star so it's a great way to operate and that way when You start having to make all the other smaller decisions. You can let that mission help inform and make, and help you make better decisions. So if you take a look at a, at a nonprofit, uh, you start out and you want to perform a community service. And in the case of the Wyland foundation was started by Wyland, as you mentioned, world famous marine life artist back in the, uh, 1990s. And his goal as an artist and as a conservationist was to save the whales. That was pretty clear, pretty direct. And the way he did that was reminding people about the beauty and majesty of these great animals that most people really don't see. And you may see them on a whale-watching boat, or you may see them on television, but you really don't fully appreciate the gale of these animals unless you can see them at true scale. So he went around the world painting these beautiful, larger-than-life murals featuring great whales, blue whales, grays, fins, sperm whales, and other endangered marine life. And it was a bit of a wake-up call during the 1980s uh, when he started doing that because most people had never seen them at that level, and they had never seen them on the side of a building or a skyscraper in a metropolitan area, a thousand miles from the ocean. So, so he was a bit of a Johnny Appleseed going around doing these murals, painting them as donations to the, to the cities. So, yeah, we would raise money for the paints and whatnot, but his time was always done. So fast forward a few years and we were looking at what we're doing with our foundation. So the foundation was started to connect people to, Marine life conservation through the arts. But more and more as we were looking at what we do, we thought we're we're really about connecting people upstream and managing their behaviors that if they're not improved or corrected, they can lead to bigger problems downstream because those problems compound and accumulate. And you end up with um, you know, as fertilizers accumulate and pesticides and Uh, Everything else that we use in our daily lives, for better or for worse, they all go downstream. And that compromises the health of the waterways and the coasts. The next level that we provide is that we have a, a capable, talented, informed, educated team that can overcome those obstacles and assist the community at large in meeting this this incredibly large ambitious mission of cleaner water and healthier, uh, coasts. So it's, it's, all about solving problems, uh, and doing it gladly, not always easily. It's not always fun, but that's what we sign on to because we care
0: about that mission at, at the end, that North star. I love that description of a North Star. I think that's so important for every organization. And I'm curious, so as you've grown this organization and you've been involved with other nonprofits, what have you bumped into when it comes to lids or barriers to growth? I think we all have them. Every organization has them. And from your experience, what typically are the barriers or lids that create uh, successful organizational growth that you have to overcome? What have you found to be the most common ones? God, I really love this conversation. Okay, I'll give you a couple of quotes. Uh, internal and
1: external uh, early on uh, when we were doing this uh, I would have the people with in the organization not the nonprofit but we also have a, uh, a business as well and uh, people would say why do you care so much people why does this matter people don't care why are you working so hard people don't care and why don't you do this because people don't care about what you're doing Why don't you just, uh, go and paint with kids because people don't care about water here. People don't care. I heard that so many times. And then as we externally, as we've worked to bring our message out, you know, we would reach across the United States because we have one of our programs is called the National Mayor's Challenge for Water Conservation. So we would call cities and get mayors involved to, uh, to raise the profile of, uh, environmental and water quality issues so we would call the uh, cities in the the southwest and the northeast and i mean everywhere thousands of calls and a lot of the calls we would hear would be so based on what their perspective is like we would call you know city in the northeast they say well it just rained here nobody really it's not an issue we don't really care about it and of course you know we part of our job would be to expand that perspective well you do have water but this is also about water quality, you know, uh, what are we putting into that water? And then once we start talking about, you know, the costs of heating, treating, moving, cleaning that water, you're looking at a huge economic issue. So a lot of what we're doing is just peeling back some of the layers so people can really understand that these are much bigger issues than what they've assumed. So kind of going back to your question, The fact that people don't care seems to me anyway, more of a reason to have this foundation. And that's why it does take talented people. And that's why it does take committed people. Because if, if you just respond to a statement, like people don't care by saying, okay, well, if they don't care, we'll move on to something else. That's not why we exist. We exist to get people to care. And I will say getting people to care about something that seemingly that is so seemingly abstract, like water conservation and water quality, but that is so fundamental to our lives and our existence and everything that we care about is quite a responsibility to carry, you know? And uh, so that was, that was, that was the toughest part. But now that the world's changing right now, we have tremendous drought issues here and, The West, you know, in uh, Utah, you're very aware, very well aware of it, but you, uh, you can look at Jackson, Mississippi and their infrastructure issues. And you've got, you know, you've got the communities at risk and now they have no access to water. You can look at Flint, Michigan, the water affects everything. It changes everything. And unfortunately, people don't realize that until the change is upon them. And then uh, it's, it's kind of like, here's the an analogy, it's like stepping into an elevator and that elevator does not open. That room gets very small, very fast. So, and we recognize that. That's why we work so hard at this. Because even though people may not care about it or they may not recognize it immediately, we do. And that's part of the service we provide.
0: We'll be right back. Well, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If this is your first time listening to us, I wanted to make sure you're aware of a whole group of other episodes with fascinating guests that I previously interviewed. Just go to our website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. There you will find numerous interviews of nonprofit leaders from all over the country, including some from other countries, all trying to make their world better. When you go to our website, you can also subscribe to my monthly leadership update in order to get more content, ask me questions, and join the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast community. Just look for the subscribe button, which is on the top right-hand side. It's a real easy process. Well, thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. Now, well said, and, and you know one of the things I want to highlight for my listeners is I'll give put some information in my show notes about this, but your foundation is doing a, a very especially effective job, from what I can see, in raising awareness about conservation, again, water conservation, as you're talking about, along with energy conservation. And certainly in the West, yes, me living in Utah, you living in California, absolutely both of our states. It's an everyday reality now. Um, And you've got this recent National Mayor's Challenge for Water Conservation. To explain for my listeners, in short, this is a friendly competition, sounds like, between any city across America who will simply take a pledge to conserve their water and energy use. Uh, So talk about that. How have you successfully led the way with this project nationally, and what have been the results so far?
1: Yeah, so... Um, like like everything we do it's usually born out of an organic need. So, the mayor's challenge was really born out of a museum exhibit that we had called the Water's Extreme Journey Maze, and you, it was this thousand square foot maze that you'd enter it as a clean drop of water, and you would reach all these decision points as you go from one place to another. And if you answer a question correctly, you'd head toward the cleaner ocean. If you answer the question. Uh, incorrectly, you have a better chance of ending up in the dirty ocean, right? So this was back in, uh, 2005, I think it was, we have created a, a, a water footprint calculator with that. Uh, not a lot of that work had been done at that time. This was in the early 2000s. So, uh, I like to think that we were on the, at the forefront of a lot of this stuff. Uh, some mayors in South Florida kind of got wind of it and they came to us and said, we were having a terrible time trying to engage our residents about water conservation. The minute we start talking about, they start falling asleep. And they said, can we do anything? You guys seem to have a handle on this. Can we do anything to make it more fun? And so we kind of, we kind of came up with, it was a bit of a game, I guess. You know, we got a handful of mayors together and we said, hey, we're going to create a framework of pledges. Like, You know, turn off your faucet or turn off your shower. You know, uh, you know, take a military type of shower. uh, You know, that sort of thing—the real basics—and then they can check off those pledges online, and then we'll just compare the results, and the winning city will get a prize. So, uh, we took that idea, refined it quite a bit, and uh, and I think when we last checked, we've had over a thousand mayors across the U.S. participate, but they essentially hear their residents to get on board, utilize the the opportunity to focus on water management and make pledges and uh, share it with their friends and neighbors. And so we kind of sweeten the pot a little bit and we have prizes like we'll we'll pay you know the the utility bills for uh, residents from winning Cities. We give away a, a Toyota Highlander hybrid vehicle to a a charity in one of the winning cities. A lot of good stuff like that, but they can also see uh, in real time, you know, how they're doing, against other cities and what their impact will be on, you know, greenhouse gas reductions, reductions in hazardous waste in our water
0: streams, all of that over the course of the year, you know, as they adhere to these pledges. Measuring results, so critical. I think donors more and more want that. They want to see the results. They want to hear about them, even better, of course, see them. You know, Another thing that stands out to me about what your foundation is doing well, and particularly with this challenge, I think is one of those examples, you have a very clear, consistent, and even catchy brand. Um, How have you established that brand footprint, uh, not only on a local scale, but on a national scale? Sure. Well, the first thing you do is you talk about it a lot. You talk about it internally.
1: You live it, you breathe it, and you adopt it, and you have to get behind it. And I think once you... Once you've established that, once you firmly believe it, it's then it's, it's really easy, but not to minimize that because there's so much work that goes into identifying who you are and what you believe in. And because it really does have to be a reflection of who you are in the nonprofit world, at least in my opinion, if you don't feel that way, it's going to be very hard to convince or communicate that message to other people. So part of the strength of of sharing that message is making sure that you've got a consensus among your, your team, your internal stakeholders, that you can all go out with that message with one voice and, and amplify it. So that is the case. It's the case with obviously with myself and Wyland, the artist and, and our entire team. So then when you're doing all the things you need to do with, uh, you know, social media and program development and advertising and fundraising everything. You're very consistent because you, you know it well, it's not like you're improvising, you know, but that would, that would be one piece of advice I would, I would share with, uh, your listeners is that if you're not clear on what your goals are and what your foundation stands for, then you need to get clear on that. Because the, the impacts are so great if you can do that, but it does not come easy. Everybody has different ideas. A lot of times you'll see different agendas and a good, clear communication strategy internally uh, will simplify everything. And it, it even reduces your costs, believe it or not.
0: Yeah, explain that. What? How do you? What would you say? Why would you say that? I guess.
1: Well, because you're much more efficient. You're making better decisions. For instance, on the, like, you know, your communication channels. You're not uh, circling back on mistakes. You're reaching the right people. You know, you can kind of make inferences of where I'm going with this. But you know, clarity is everything. But there is a lot of work that goes into getting that clarity. A lot of work. That's the thing that I, I think nobody ever nobody really tells you. Uh, they, they can tell you, but but I think you have to live it to really understand it. You know. I took plenty of marketing classes in college and oh, they really would see about, you know, when it's theoretical is one thing, but living it and seeing, you know, the ups and downs to uh getting it right. It's tremendous uh tremendously different.
0: Well, and I'm glad you brought that up because, uh, you know, for again, getting down to brass tacks, if you will, for those who are listening and they want to improve their brand, um, talk about maybe some of the mechanics. How did it work? Did uh, you've got an artist that's the foundation president slash founder, right? And that makes it pretty unique because you've got already a branding that comes with his artistic style and talent. But beyond that, because brand is obviously more than just your image tell us more about how you developed your brand. What was the process? Was it you? Was it with your team together? Did you take some marketing classes or someone else on your team did? Tell us about that because I think that could be really helpful for my listeners.
1: Well, you know, our founder and I have worked very closely together. I mean, we're good friends. And, you know, I came in initially to, uh, I was the PR guy, the writer, but I have a background in journalism and I, you know, my interest was environment, always environments, all the the newspapers I worked for, I was, you know, my hand would go up when it was the environment time. So I wanted to do more of that. He uh, was doing some really great, instinctively smart things on the marketing side. And and he was doing it for all the right reasons. So kind of us coming together was really fortuitous. My father was an artist too. And yeah, I just I got the mindset. But there's always been a real creative dynamic between the two of us. And, you know, where we would each propose ideas and, you know, the other person would pick up on it and enhance it. So it's, you know, even like a songwriting, I guess, team sort of the only difference with, uh, our founder, Wyland is that he's very ambitious and a go getter and, you know, when we talk about obstacles and hurdles, you know, I don't think there's an obstacle or hurdle that would ever get in his way. So that kind of rubs off. So if you're a creative person to begin with, which I am more or less, it really is empowering. Okay. So, so the question is, you know, how does that brand evolve? Well, he had a brand which was more art-based and, you know, it had used some traditional, you know, art. If you look back at, at you know, arts in the 1980s, you, you know, you might think Bob Ross and, you know, PBS painting the clouds and all of that. And, you know, there's an aspect to that, but the world has changed so much now, you know, we've been moving along with it. We reached a point in the early 2000s where, as I mentioned earlier, we just thought this is not enough. We can't just paint a picture and we can't just say, let's save the wells. And people are going to rally the same way they did in night, you know, the first Earth Day in 1970, or, you know, things have changed a lot. Technology has changed. And so what we did was we did that reassessment of, we looked upstream, thought about what we stand for. And then through that process of, of discussion, there was, there was an evolution along the way and, um, my advice for those people is that that's where it really got internalized and developed. It wasn't something that we just plucked off a tree. It was, it was this long period of what do we stand for? What do we, what do we want to see? What change do we want to see in the world? You know, how can we, uh, be part of that change? And that's how it evolved into something that was more about people, collaboration and working together on a grassroots level to take care of our marine ecosystems and maybe that's the whole theme of this is follow that north star the thing that's important to you follow that so you don't get distracted and lose impact that's how i look at it
0: well i can like know this figure thanks for sharing that i do like that as a theme if you will follow your north star wyland foundation has done that you're helping to lead that of course the, the artist Founder obviously has done that too with his artwork. So I think my listeners probably will want to find out a little bit more about the foundation, maybe learn more about you. Uh, How can they do that? What's the best way to connect with you and the foundation?
1: Uh, All right. Uh, The foundation is wylandfoundation.org. Pretty simple. You can just Google uh, Wyland Foundation and you'll get a thousand battery. If you want to reach out, just send an email to info at wylandfoundation.org. Ask any question. I'll get back to you or one of our team members will. We all review that, that, those emails. So, and, you know, we, we love what we do and, uh, we're happy to support others that are making their contributions to, to well-run nonprofits. And I've had some really good nonprofit mentors, you know, coaches and, and those, that's also really good for others out there. There, there are people that do want to serve and provide input. And take advantage of those resources if they're available. This the nonprofit business is hard and it's challenging.
0: And yeah, you know, there's there's just there's no substitute for the hard work. For sure. You bet. That's exactly right. Well, again, thank you for sharing your insights. Thanks for all you do to really foster and champion water conservation across the country. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Rob. I appreciate the interview. I really enjoyed this talk. Yeah. Thanks for being on the show.